Hello and welcome to the 20-Minute Fitness Podcast. This is a show for everyone that's interested in health and fitness and likes to learn a thing or two in a quick 20-minute session. And yes, you're not confused at all. I'm not your host, Leslie. In fact, my name is Martin and I'm one of the founders of Shape and producer of 20-Minute Fitness. As you can probably tell from my accent, I'm originally from Germany. But I'm also a certified sports nutritionist, so I'm hoping you give me a fair chance for this week's episode. I'm subbing in for Leslie because she's happened to catch the flu. Yep, that's been going around for some time now. Anyways, in this episode we're going to talk about supplements. I know, I know, there's a ton of them out there. And that's why I've narrowed it down to the five most useful ones for muscle gain and recovery for today's episode. As always, 20-Minute Fitness is powered by ShapeScale. ShapeScale is a 3D body scanner, scale and fitness tracker. You step on it and it digitizes your body composition in photorealistic 3D. Now available on pre-order on shapesgear.com. Alright, so let's get started. So today we're going to be talking about five sports supplements, one of them being creatine, protein powders, BCAAs, beta alanine and glutamine and I'm sure you will know a thing or two of at least one of them but I can assure you there's gonna be definitely something you will learn in this session. So how about we start with creatine which is probably the most popular and widely researched natural supplement out there. Creatine is um, basically a molecule from amino acids that is produced naturally by the body in our kidneys, liver and pancreas. Creatine is a combination of three different amino acids glycine, arginine, and methionine. Creatine is pretty important because it plays a major role in helping our body meet energy needs for these brief, rapid, and powerful movements lasting fewer than 10 seconds, such as a, well, a short sprint or weight training, of course. On the other hand, long-duration, low-intensity workouts like a marathon rely on a very different energy system, which is typically not enhanced by creatine. All right, now this is where I'm going to lay a little bit of biochemistry on you. So I do my best to keep it simple, okay? Also referred to as the phosphagen system, when engaging in, say, a sprint, your body relies on adenosine triphosphate, ATP, to provide energy to working cells. Muscles store some ATP ready for action, but only a tiny little bit, enough for a few seconds. During that process, ATP is broken down by removing a phosphate, which turns it into adenosine diphosphate, ADP, basically two phosphates. ADP is pretty much useless in the body unless it is converted back into ATP. To make more ATP, our muscles need to get a missing third phosphate from somewhere quickly. Now, this is where creatine comes into play. Creatine phosphate takes one for the team by donating its phosphate to the ADP so that it can become ATP again. Get it? I assume you see where this is going, right? By allowing you to return ADP to ATP, creatine will increase your ATP stores, thus allowing you to keep going. So, like I mentioned in the beginning, your body already naturally produces some creatine at a rate of about 1 to 2 grams per day, depending on your diet. Um, it's also found in protein-rich fr- foods, mainly meat and fish. 
but he would also need to eat a lot of meat and fish to obtain an appreciable amount of creatine. Plus, if you're a vegetarian, this won't be much of an option for you at all. Now, as a dietary supplement, on the other hand, you can increase muscle creatine content by up to 40% beyond its normal levels. In a nutshell, supplementing with creatine increases the available fuel to power ATP, which we just talked about, and which in turn can increase muscle strength, size, and power output. Beyond, you know, creatine's usefulness in replenishing your ATP energy stores, there's another anabolic property that creatine holds, and this is its ability to hydrate muscle cells. When muscle cells are hydrated, a few things are happening, the most notable being an increase in protein synthesis. The second effect of muscle hydration is an increase of ions into the cell. Since the cell is holding more water, it can also hold more ions. And since the ions will follow water into the cell in order to keep the concentration the same, this leads then to greater water retention at the cellular level, which may cause an increase in your overall weight, but of course not body fat, quite the contrary actually. With increased protein synthesis and also greater strength due to increased ATP, you will likely see a swifter increase in lean body mass than without supplementing creatine, frankly. It is not necessary to load creatine, and studies have shown that depending on your diet and size, intakes of about 3 to 5 grams per day yield best results. While there are different camps around on when it's best to consume creatine, there's no conclusive study to date on the best timing. So with that in mind, I would recommend you to take creatine whenever suits you best in a day, be it before your workout, after your workout, or maybe, you know, after breakfast. That's what I typically do because I don't like to take creatine on an empty stomach. Yeah, so that's basically creatine in a nutshell. All right, next up we got protein. Protein is probably the most important supplement for all of those out of you who want to pack on some serious muscle mass. And I don't really have the time to go too deep into all the different protein powders, such as whey, isoway, casein, and soy. But I just want to say casein has always played pretty much of a second fiddle due to its very slow digestion rate. Yeah, then again, this makes it also an ideal pre-bedtime snack. And casein actually also makes you feel less full, which makes it a great snack for those of you who want to pack on some extra mass. Um, specifically to gain muscle, you need to consume more protein than your body breaks down through natural processes. Whey is the most commonly used one because it is the one protein that our body is able to metabolize most quickly. Whey is the dominant protein in cow's milk. It makes up approximately 20% while the remainder is casein. Reach its powdery state as a supplement, it is basically extracted, separated from casein, purified, and then dried. Whey is a so-called complete protein because it contains all nine essential amino acids. Wait a minute, what are amino acids and why do we need protein again? Well, let me explain. When you digest protein, it is slowly broken down by dietary enzymes known as proteases. They then can be converted into amino acids. Amino acids are basically the building blocks for most stuff in our bodies. They're like little Lego pieces that can be broken down and then reassembled in different ways. Unlike body fat, we don't store lots of extra amino acids. Protein is pretty much getting used all the time, then recycled and sometimes excreted. 
Now, if we need amino acids for, say, muscle repair and we don't have enough protein, then our body starts to plunder from other parts we need, such as our muscles. Oh, sweet irony. Depending on goals, body size, gender, etc., the amount of protein we need for muscular development differs. The FDA has set the reference daily intake for protein at 0.36 grams per pound of body weight. However, keep in mind, these rules are set as a bare minimum to avoid malnourishment. According to research conducted by McMaster University, protein intake of 0.6 to 0.8 grams per pound of body weight is adequate enough for stimulating maximal protein synthesis. They note, however, that more protein might be needed in case of frequent high-intensity training and in the case of dieting to lose fat. In fact, the rule of thumb for muscle gain has been widely acknowledged to be at around 1 gram per pound of body weight. Achieving as much will most likely require you to supplement your daily proteins with whey protein. While we do not recommend a specific whey protein on here, I would recommend you to check out the labels carefully. Some cheap protein powders often come with high amounts of lactose, fat, fillers, and so on, which are not removed in the isolation process. Finally, let's talk about protein digestion. Research has shown us that we can only absorb 8 to 10 grams of protein per hour, yet most liquids are fully digested within just one and a half hours plus minus 31 minutes. Solid foods, on the other hand, are absorbed within four to five hours on average. So don't overdo it and, you know, simply try and double your protein shakes, for instance, because your body simply won't have enough time to absorb all the protein in that time frame. All right, I think it's time for a small break. And afterwards, we're going to continue with BCAAs, beta alanine, and more. This week's episode of 20 Minute Fitness is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians to get lower rates on their life insurance. The Health IQ Advantage is their unique mortality model on the health conscious, and they have lower rates for people who are leading a health conscious life, kind of like a good driver saving on auto insurance. They have unique underwriting that replaces BMI with waist-to-hip ratio, takes into consideration cholesterol calculations, and more. In fact, 70% of their health-exclusive rate clients get approved at the top-rate class. Health IQ is the fastest-growing life insurance with over $5 billion in coverage. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash 20fit. That's 20 as a number, not a word. Or mention the promo code 20 fit when you talk to a health IQ agent. All right, and we're back. So now we're going to talk about BCAAs, which basically stands for branch chain amino acids. Amino acids are, like I mentioned before, the building blocks of protein. There are nine essential amino acids in total, but there's a key trio that helps you maintain muscle. Leucin, isoleucin, and valine. For our part, leucine is the star of the trio, as it is directly stimulating protein synthesis, where the activation of an enzyme responsible for cell growth known as the mammalian target of rapamycin, or mTOR. Of these three, leucine is the muscle-building powerhouse. To unlock the full effects of leucine, the latest research is suggesting consuming 2-3 to three grams a sitting and at least 3 times during a day. You find that sweet spot of 2 to 3 grams leucine 
in just one scoop of whey protein, one cup of cottage cheese, or three ounces of chicken breast. Now the bottom line is, if you're taking an adequate protein, then BCAAs are a complete waste of money, saying protein researcher Stuart Phillips, PhD of McMaster University. On the flip side, however, one study published in the Journal of International Society of Sports Nutrition found that individuals were able to maintain lean body mass when supplementing with BCAAs during a calorie-restricted diet. Now keep in mind, within the study, participants weren't eating the recommended 2-3 to three grams of BCAAs per sitting in their low-calorie diet. So when one test group took BCAA supplements, it helped them to actually retain muscle. And that's hard to do when you're trying to drastically slim down. So what's the final verdict? Well, it's not that BCAA supplements have no merit whatsoever. You should take them if you are not getting enough in your daily diet. But when you eat 2-3 to three grams of leucine through protein-rich foods at least 3 times a day, which should be really the case for most of us, well, then you don't really need to supplement BCAAs. Alright, next up we got beta-alanine. Beta-alanine is a non-essential amino acid naturally found in our body, yet it's critical enough to have more of it if you want to enhance your strengths and endurance during workouts. Beta-alanine is used to combine with another amino acid, histidine, to form carnosine, which makes it a dipeptide, a molecule made up of two amino acids bonded together. Now, carnosine is important to have for those strenuous workouts. Working out requires energy after all, which is why our body is breaking down glucose to synthesize energy. This process usually requires oxygen. Now, when not enough oxygen is available, we produce lactic acid to use it instead of oxygen. A side effect of too high lactate levels then is an increase in the acidity of our muscle cells which in turn makes it harder to contract the muscle and fatigue can result. Thus, if the body can combat the acidity, it can keep working harder. This is where carnosine is able to buffer H plus ions in muscle cells. This buffering can neutralize lactic acid and simultaneously increase ATP stores. Moreover, carnosine appears to help activate the enzymes responsible for muscle contraction. So in a nutshell, carnosine helps muscle fibers' ability to contract with more force and to do so longer without fatiguing. Alright, and because carnosine is so important, beta-alanine is also important. Why? Because carnosine isn't absorbed very well in humans as it gets immediately broken down in histidine and beta-alanine. Most people usually have enough histidine, but not enough beta-alanine. So it tends to be the limiting factor for our body to make sufficient carnosine effectively. The greatest natural dietary source of beta-alanine are believed to be obtained through ingesting dipeptides that contain beta-alanine. These dipeptides are commonly found in meat. On average, our daily intake of carnosine from foods is likely ranging between 50 to 250 milligrams, but only only if we consume around 4 ounces of beef, pork, chicken or fish. Alright, so we're actually not consuming that much beta-alanine every day. So researchers actually took on the topic and tried supplementing additional beta-alanine. In a paper published on the Medicine and Science in Sports and Exercise Journal, 
it was demonstrated that beta-alanine supplementation can have great benefits, actually. In their study, researchers supplemented 46 grams per day, which then significantly increased muscle carnosine levels by up to 40-65%. to 65%. These higher carnosine levels have then shown improvements in high-intensity anaerobic performance. That said, the researchers also suggested to not ingest more than 800 milligrams of beta-alanine in a single dose. Otherwise, one may experience paresthesia, a burning or prickling sensation that is usually felt in the hands, arms, legs, and feet. Ooh. The bottom line is... Supplementing beta-alanine can be beneficial, especially if you live on a plant-based diet and see greater strength and endurance for your weightlifting sessions. Moving on, um, initially Charlie recommended to cover glutamine, which is an essential amino acid and a bodybuilder's favorite as it plays a big role in protein synthesis and the prevention of muscle breakdown. However, there's no real research to indicate that glutamine supplements improve protein synthesis in healthy and well-fed adults. So I'm thinking instead I'm going to recommend you another maybe somewhat unusual pre-workout supplement. Caffeine. Yes, that's right. It's found in coffee, tea, as well as countless pre-workout and fat burner supplements. And while caffeine is mostly known for its ability to increase mental alertness, it is also a great supplement to increase stamina and your physical endurance. It does so by actually mobilizing fat stores and encouraging muscle to use fat instead of glycogen as fuel. The glycogen then saved in the process can be utilized during later stages of exercise, which in turn increases your stamina and overall endurance. What's more, caffeine actually makes you feel less tired. Some clever researchers in the UK found that athletes who ingested caffeine had a rating of perceived exertion that was 5.6% lower than those athletes that were given placebos. The researchers also found that caffeine improved overall exercise performance by 11.2%. It is generally agreed on that consuming up to 300 milligrams of caffeine per day is safe which is around, I think, three cups of coffee and six cups of tea. Now, for athletes, many exercise performance experts suggest a dose of about one to three milligrams per pound of body weight about an hour before exercise. And you will actually find a lot of pre-workout mixes that have as much caffeine inside of their regular serving size. For instance, C4 has got 150 milligrams of caffeine in there. but with that in mind, I would still recommend that this is not something for a daily routine and rather something for, you know, something like a big race, a big workout or even a marathon. It's not something you should do every day after breakfast. And definitely be aware of all the different, um, you know, negative side effects. And you should talk to your doctor if you plan on, you know, using more than 300 milligrams of coffee in a day. And that concludes this week's episode of 20 Minute Fitness. If you like this week's episode, please make sure to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app, such as on iTunes or Stitcher. That way you help others to also discover this podcast. If you send us a screenshot of your review to podcast at 20minute.fitness, that's 20 as a number, not as a word, we even send you a little mystery gift. Also, as always, 
head to our website on 20minute.fitness for the complete show notes, including further reading and links to the research cited in this podcast. Next week, I'm hoping we should have Leslie back at our San Francisco studio and she'll be having an interesting talk on goal setting and self-monitoring. Thanks again for listening and tuning in. This has been your host, Martin from Shape.